This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Date Night China explores life and love for better relationships in China. Every week, we hear from different guests and dive into dating, relationships, mental health, and how both expats and Chinese people connect with each other here in China. Join the Date Night community through our podcast and events in Beijing and Shanghai, and catch up on all the latest stories on our official WeChat account. Find our account on WeChat by searching Date Night China. No spaces, no capital letters. You can also join our WeChat group by adding Rachel, me, on WeChat. You can search Rachel Weiss twenty two, R A C H E L W E I S S twenty two. And now for this week's episode. Welcome back, China daters. We've had a short podcast break, but yeah, we're a summer back. holiday. Yes, a summer holiday, and we are back and ready to go. Yeah, ready to go. <laughs> yes, that's why we have the. This episode that you're listening to. <laughs> yes, uh, episode 22. So we're really excited to be joined by Giovanni Del Toro, aka Coco Santi, is a drag artist and MC based in Shanghai. You'll find them hosting many events around Shanghai, mainly at the Pearl Theater, where they play hostess for a variety of showcases, including drag extravaganzas, cabaret and burlesque shows, and their personal favorite, and one I'm really excited to hear about, Magic Mike shows. Mm. And known as Shanghai's premier bearded queen, hairiest hostess with the mostest, and aficionado of all things crusty, Coco Santi has enchanted audiences with their wit, humor, and passion for the arts for years. Their ability to meld mystifying sensuality with absolute absurdity guarantees a showcase unlike any other. With high energy, low patience, and astounding irreverence, one thing is always certain. Kokosanti will bedazzle and confuse, but always leaves the audience wanting more. So hello and welcome. Hey, good morning. Good morning. What an intro. That, that, How did you like that? I uh, only want uh, straight men to read that intro from now on. I feel like that is the perfect... <laughs> way to introduce myself just <laughs> I, just have I, someone. I had fun reading it maybe <laughs> maybe we could just give you a sound bite and you can just like play that to people i think i will uh, this is before right before i go on stage it's just going to be nathan's voice <laughs> introing me <laughs> it's very useful excellent excellent i'll i'll re-record it i'll i'll you know put some bass into it you know make sound it effects sound, a little bit of reverb you know make it sound really good yeah add an air horn pew, pew, pew. stage worthy <laughs> That'd be perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Yay. Attention, passengers. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're really happy to have you on this morning. And you are in Shanghai, so for the listeners, um, we are on a Zoom call. So of course, there may be some short delays, but uh, I can see all your costumes behind you as well right now, oh, which is very exciting. Yeah, this is what I do for um, all my uh, recorded interviews and, and my podcast. I I just recorded my drag closet because it's already like buffered. There's like wigs to the left of me. There's shoes to the right of me. It's like, it's very useful for sound quality. <laughs> and this is yeah, just some of my costumes. Good, good There's another costumes over on that side. But those costumes are like one swear. You don't want to wear them too many times because you bedazzle too Ooh, many times in the same outfit. It doesn't, it's a big no-no. It's a big no-no in the drag community. <laughs> like if you try to so sound like I know got, about so fashion. You've got, to space out your, you've got to space out your bedazzling. Yeah, of course. I mean, everything in this closet is bedazzled. Even I'm bedazzled, but I don't I don't like to show it off a lot. Only when I go to the pool. Hi. Uh how's Beijing? How's it up there? <laughs> we're we're doing good. Yeah, we've gotten through the summer. No more like lockdown really scares, but it's been slow getting back into things, I feel like still. Yeah, a little bit slow, but uh things, you know, things are getting back to as always, you kind of feel like you've just been saying things are getting back to normal for the past two years, you know, like, so you kind of get a little bit numb to it, but and everybody just uh, carries on. Oh, just talking about carrying on and keeping calm. Let's just all um, uh, mention the Queen. Um, uh, everybody's doing it. Yes. You know, like, I mean, I want to mention it, but like a lot of like companies and like businesses are like virtual signaling, you know, almost mm. like, oh, we're not going to post an episode on Monday because it's a funeral or something, or we're not going to do this. You know, Anne Summers has got a banner with, you know, uh, thank you, your majesty, right under an advert for like, you know, BDSM and dildos and stuff. 
you know, yeah, it's performative grief where companies are, you know, doing these really stupid and just like bizarre things to commemorate the Queen. I don't know. Will the will any of your shows be um uh, doing any uh, genuine or performative grief? I mean, I'm a I'm a little brown man from the USA. I don't have any connection to the Queen. Do I have numbers prepared? Uh, yes, I do have numbers prepared. Should I Ooh, perform really? them in? In my place of work, probably not, but I'll probably find another venue where I can perform them. Actually, I had a queen number that I wanted to do, and I don't think I can do it now because it was a burlesque number. And so I'm... um. Old Lizzie was um, uh, very, um, uh, you know, playful, and she had a uh, good, good sense of humor, I find. You, know, in, in my opinion. you talk like you know her, like yeah. your best friends. We all, we all, we all, we all know her. We you all know her. her. Oh, you British people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, listen, listen, enjoy it. So do that number, you know. Oh, take it on authority of another Brit. This is, and this is no, like I, I, I want to make it very clear. I joke and I tease about the British family, the royal, whatever the thing is. The Winchesters, whatever the yes, the Winchesters. That's, yeah. that's who, who it is. That's how I I always thought their last name was just like the Royals, and that's I was that's completely it. wrong. <laughs> um, but lo and behold, I I thoroughly enjoy uh, Queen Elizabeth II. I love her fashion. I'm all for her looks, and I'm all for her memes. That's what I live for from her. Um, so I was always there, and now. And now I live through just watching The Crown. Well, um, I'm sure she w- would want us to carry on. So with that in mind, I know we've we've sort of skipped ahead a little bit, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, tell us where you're from, how long have you been in China, um, and how long have you been performing? Also, since this is Date Night China, what's, what's your relationship status? Oh, right. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, hi, I'm Coco Santi. Um, I'm from the USA, from Boston, if anybody is familiar. We're right across the pond from England. We share a whole little ocean, a sad ocean, Aww. but it's, you know, the mid-Atlantic. What are you going to do with it? Um, <laughs> I technically have been in China for nine years, but my first three years my first two to three years I was traveling back and forth because I was working with um I was working with a company that was based in Boston and so my uh my previous work was working as an education consultant and so I would travel around Asia setting up uh, international programs at various schools um and that was fine that was that was fine I made great money and then I decided to be a poor artist and (laughs) go right into being a host um, for a cabaret theater in Shanghai called Candor. Um, Candor is currently closed and under renovations. So I switched over to the Pearl Theater, which is a slightly larger and older cabaret burlesque theater in Shanghai. And I just wanted to put my undergrad degree to use. I haven't, I said I wanted to do something before I was 30. I did it and I live that like poor artist life and boy, boy, is it rough. Boy, is it rough. No one tells (laughs) you how rough it actually is, but my gosh, it is, it is nonsense, but it's fun. It's fun. I I enjoy it. Um, Yeah. I enjoy my work. I get to wear pretty costumes. You see that? Yeah. No, your Instagram <laughs> is fire. Like oh, before great. this, I was, you know, I was low-key stalking you on Instagram for yeah. your costumes, your performances. It's it's amazing. You guys check out Fresh Coco Santi. So, but I guess, first of all, where did your inspiration for performing, being a drag artist and Coco Santi come from? I was, while I was working as a consultant, I like went to Shanghai a lot to visit some friends. And one day I went to see a drag show and I was like, oh, I've missed drag so much. Um, But the drag that I was seeing a lot in China and a lot in Shanghai was always, I'm gonna be very comparative here. I'm comparing um, US drag uh, to, to what I have seen in China and the, the drag that I've started seeing in China was always very beauty based. It was very much like focused on 
the look and and uh, the presentation. But I was I'm from the northeast of the U.S. and in the northeast, from Boston, from New York, we're very much performance based, and so like our our love usually st stems from like theater and stems from like interaction with the audience and and building up kind of a rapport with your with your patrons. Um, and so when I decided to uh, step into to drag for a competition, I was I was just going at it from the angle of like, I miss like my ugly queens. Like I miss the ugliest queens that you ever see in your life. Those are always the funniest. Those are always like the ones who like really bring the show. Um, those are the ones who like, uh, who just like give you a different version of like what mainstream drag is or what mainstream drag was at that time. Um, because, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily, you've never necessarily seen a bearded queen like myself, or you don't always see like a, a, a chubby, a, a, a brown or black queen here in China. It's it's always, it's a very straight, narrow concept of what a drag queen could possibly be. And so like opening doors for people to like see that there's so much more available in the world of drag. It was really, it was just really like, uh, cathartic for me because it's something I never thought I would do but I really missed seeing it <laughs> when I was back home and I at that point I hadn't been back home in like a year and I was like god this is we need more we need to see a lot more <laughs> and I did a competition I won that's right um hey. yeah it was the amateur like the, it was split between like amateur and professionals but like I won the amateur one um but it don't matter. It's good. I loved it. I thought it was fun. I met a lot of wonderful people. The competition was here in Shanghai. It was in Shanghai. Yeah. 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 Is yeah. that a yearly thing that I do? You used to be. <laughs> it was. Oh, okay. It was the, yeah, it was the Shanghai pride competition, but recently pride has been under fire in, in China. So like a lot of pride events have been closed off uh due to certain sanctions yeah and um and so they've been like hiding under certain guises um i think currently guangzhou is the only place that has like an out loud pride event but that's because you know they're just starting and they're kind of under the radar to the to the police so we'll see what happens uh... in like a couple of years um but shanghai has been uh closely scrutinized for the past like two years um and the organizer who uh, Charlene was recently deported from Shanghai uh, due to their work in in pride events. And so it was, wow. yeah, it was really sad. And we we as a community are trying to figure out like how we can still do certain events and do certain things to like showcase, uh, you know, who we are. I mean, I'm, I'm always kind of like, you know, it's an everyday thing for me. So I'm not always like for the, it's a month long event kind of thing. <laughs> but so like, I'm just about like sprinkling pride every damn day, everywhere we can, everywhere we can and doing it with glitter and a little <laughs> and bit of stick. Yeah. So what does it look like now then? I guess you've said there's been these changes, but you're still hosting events. The events have come back. So what, what kind of shows are you hosting or could you used to host? Um, tell us a bit more about the cabarets, the burlesque and the magic mic. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Pearl is a really old venue that like hosts a lot of, cause cabaret has been around for forever in China. I think it's been under a certain guise and obviously it's been, um, Obviously, it's been, you know, demonized by certain communities, because when you think of cabaret, where you think of burlesque, you're like, oh, damn, it's it's Satan's work. Um, <laughs> but I think what's interesting is that when cabaret came to Shanghai in around the 20s, you, you still you still had venues and people uh, performing and doing certain things within those venues that like were a little bit salacious, but a lot of fun. And so when we see what happens today, um, we're still upholding the same kind of feel and vibe, but we're giving uh, we're giving that kind of um, onus to the performers who are like really who are really doing it to like 
be happy that they're doing burlesque and be happy that they're doing uh, uh, a cabaret because they are in control of what they put on stage and they are in control of what the audience sees of them. And I mean, in particular of like striptease and stuff like that. Um, don't worry, we are still under China regulation. So obviously <laughs> it's it's burlesque and cabaret. So there's not like nipples everywhere. There's, you don't see, you don't see flapping coochies. Damn. It's just not a thing. We can't do that. We're still in China. I mean, maybe if you come to the Pearl with the VPN, maybe you'll see something special, but that's not how that works here. Our burlesque shows are usually run by, um, we have a school of burlesque here in Shanghai called the Silk Room Burlesque. Um, shout out to my girls. Um, and they, I usually work in, in collaboration with the, the Silk Rooms to, to uh, host their, some of their shows. Um, but usually they are a separate entity, but I, I love seeing when other burlesque troops come down and, and perform at the Pearl, especially we had uh, burlesque troops from Beijing come down. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's a group from Beijing that, do you know Vincent? DJ Vincent. Yes. yes. He oh, goes down yes. to Pearl Theater. Vincent. Yes. I saw him he there loves before. The Pearl. He yeah. Is extremely <laughs> always excited every time he's at the Pearl. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, we have, uh, I love seeing uh, other burlesque uh, troops and, and performers come down. I think what makes the the girls at TSR really special is that, you know, they they always go in from the angle of, of empowering women and bringing all diverse bodies onto stage and bringing them onto the space. And that's kind of the principles that I stick along when I when I do any performance or when I host any performance. I really want to see diversity in in people, in bodies, in 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 every kind of aspect on stage. And I want to see it in every space because it's it just makes a performance so much more interesting. Like I hate seeing cookie cutter individuals just kind of like prance across the stage and then it just kind of falls flat because then I'm like thinking, well, who is this performer? Should I be watching out for this performer or that performer? Because <laughs> I want to I see what, what they bring to the stage and, and the styles of performance that they bring to stage. And TSR is, is one of my favorite things to do. Um, with burlesque, especially. Have Which you had I'm any pushback? My queen number. Oh, huh? have you had any pushback, I guess, from the China community? We've had a few episodes talking about like beauty standards and body types and things. And I know in China and in a lot of many cultures and things, yeah, like you were mentioning, maybe there's only one flat dimension of what beauty is supposed to be looking like. And do you feel like in China, because it is for an international audience and there's lots of international talent involved in it is it is it easier I guess to push back against that or have you had any people come and say oh I wasn't expecting this or this is not what I imagined drag and burlesque shows to look like mm -hmm. yeah I mean every damn day <laughs> every damn day there is a consistent pushback we have uh we have licensed professional dancers at at my place of work and they are some of the most beautiful individuals you've ever seen. Um, and they are extremely talented dancers and performers. Um, but when I, I was very clear when I signed up with working with the Pearl that I also wanted to see other bodies in that space because I didn't want to just do a performance that was that was going to be the expected norm, right? I think a lot of a lot of the times when uh, you have locals coming to see a show, their expectation is the differentiation will be that there are foreigners performing on stage. Whereas like if I have a lot of an international audience and a lot of uh, foreigners come to a show, they're just gonna see dancers dancing on stage. And that's not, that's not always like jaw dropping to the audience. But when you see like a six foot Australian woman, 200 pound Australian woman, drop down into a split and then take off her bra and spin some tassels. That's a shocker. That gives the audience a little bit more agency and a little bit more, uh, um, you know, connection with these performers because they're they're witnessing the unexpected. And of course, every damn day, uh, the TSR is is mostly um, is mostly cis women. Uh, TSR uh, is one prime example of, of the groups that I work with, but I also, when I create my shows, I try to bring in a lot of uh, body and, and, and 
racial diversity into my showcases, I, I always get backlash. I get backlash even from my team where they're like, are these people capable of doing those things? And my consistent answer is I don't work with people who are not capable of doing something. I fill in, I fill in so many boxes <laughs> as a person who is unexpectedly there to showcase their talent, right? I'm a, I'm a tiny little brown man, uh, very loud and aggressive from the USA. I'm a cis male, but I'm super, super gay. You don't, you don't have a lot of expectations for me outside of, of my drag persona. But I bring my professionalism to the stage. And I hope that like that speaks for itself when I'm on stage, because that's where the talent lies in. I have, I've worked with people who are like, who judge other people based on their appearance and then are just like, they come up to them afterwards and are like, I was so shocked that you could like do all these things. And I'm like, why do you think they're here? <laughs> why do you think you're here? Cause sometimes I look at those performers and I'm like, I don't know why you're here, but I know why like some of my performers are here. Cause I collate a, a group of performers who have talent. <laughs> I, I don't put people on stage who don't have talent. Um, there's a lot of people who come up to me and are like, I could do that. I could do that. I'm like, okay, then do it. Let's see you do it. See it. I hate when people say like, I could do that. I, I could have done that. Then do it. I don't understand <laughs> what is stopping you from saying, from doing something that you say you are so vehemently like stuck on saying that you can do something why haven't you done it? And I think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of leeway, especially in in Shanghai, which was I you know I came in when the art industry was kind of booming, so like there was there was a starting level. It reminded me a lot of like ABC City New York, um, like I think for you know musical. <laughs> theater listeners, it's kind of like rent that time period, you know, like people are kind of like, yeah. <laughs> like I know like rent. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> people are kind I of like rent. struggling. I do know rent. I know rent. <laughs> they're like struggling and sad artists and they're like building their own legacy. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the place when I came in in Shanghai and Shanghai is like growing more and more each year in the art industry. We've kind of had some dips in the past couple of years because of, well, you know, the unspeakable events that have happened. <laughs> but but still, like, there's there's so much room, especially for individuals who want to try something new in their artistry to just try it. I will say the biggest issue is when it comes to, like, certain regulations that pop up, you know? This, you're, you're, if, especially if you are... Um, if you are a foreigner, you have to be very cautious of what you put on stage. Uh, you have to be very cautious of where you perform, because if your visa doesn't allow you to perform in places, if you're a teacher, you probably, should, you probably shouldn't be performing in places like random bars or anything like that. But that shouldn't stop you from like doing like a open mic or that shouldn't stop you from like getting up and singing during a KTV event. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, do you, do you, you have talent. Do you think because in a weird way, because it's China and because because of the restrictions, actually that's kind of what makes the expat community or the creative or artistic community so um, um, vibrant and you know uh, the the initiative and the ingenuity to keep that going because you have to think outside of the box. You can't just think you know um, uh, you, you know in just like a flat like dimension it needs to be you need to think laterally to make it work which is why it's like it's it there may get restrictions but it doesn't it doesn't die it doesn't go go anywhere it just finds a new shape i think i think that china is a really good place to start um excuse me to start your your artistic journey because I don't think it's outside the box at all. I think it's very much in the box. I think you're so far deep in the box that <laughs> you don't have to worry about like thinking too hard or <laughs> thinking too aggressively to make like 
a number or uh, do a number that you feel like no one would understand. Um, I, I, from my perspective, I 100% get where people, you know, they probably want to sing a song that, that is, uh, you know, heavily, give me an artist, uh, heavily Bono, right? Mm -hmm. But especially for an international audience, not everyone is like, who's you too? Uh, like, we, we have to, we have to remember, like, you have to remember who you're performing to. And that's, I feel like creatively, that's very stunting for myself and for a lot of performers here. We, because we have to think so hard to be in the box, mm. it limits our ability to grow as performers. Um, but if you are just starting out, I think it's a really great place to, to begin because you can do that really popular number that's going on right now. You can do a, a lovely little Billie Eilish or a, a Olivia Rodrigo number because people will get it because people know what is hot and popular now. Um, but if you're gonna, you know, walk on stage and start singing Natalie and Bruglia, you gotta really, you gotta really sell it, right? You gotta, you gotta let the audience know, like, why is she so torn? Um, <laughs> and that, well, that really, a lot of faith, so that's why. Yeah, I mean, and then they're wondering, why is she naked on the floor? Girl, get up. Like it's, it's the little things, yeah, it's the little things like that. It, but you you grow from the experience of being in that box um and and then you and after a certain point you start pushing the boundaries to see like you know what really what will really allow you to engage with the audience don't get me wrong i am very much for thinking outside the box um i usually start outside the box and then i have to like reel myself in because it's so far out there and people have to I have to remember that I'm performing for an audience for my job. But if I were to do something just for the sake of performance, I would just I would just do what I wrote down because I believe in what I do. And I think that's the biggest thing. If you believe in what you want to perform, if you believe in 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 that number that you you've always always wanted to do, then the audience will understand it too because you're bringing that energy to the stage. Um, and I've seen it with my burlesque girls. I've seen it with my cabaret folk. I've even seen it with my magic mic boys. Um, yes. and boy, magic boy, mic boys. Experience. <laughs> I need to, I need to hear about that. How do you do that in China? You know, cause speaking about these kind of restrictions and things, is it like the movie with Channing Tatum or they're just men stripping on stage? Well, we are still the, okay. So we, we've worked in tandem with the actual magic mic. Uh, show performers. Uh, we have connections with um, uh, our wonderful, wonderful producer, Granto, who is um, who is one of the co-owners of The Pearl. He has connections with uh, the Magic Mike producers in the U.S. And so we've been given permission to use the Magic Mike name for our showcases. Um, wow. And hopefully in the future, we'll be bringing some of those Magic Mike boys to our stage. That being said, we are still in China. I technically am not supposed to be talking about this because at our performances, no photos or videos are allowed. We've gotten in trouble plenty of times. We've had to revamp the show many a times, uh, each time like, you know, kind of figuring out what will allow us to to showcase as much of our boys without showing all of the boys. You know what I mean? Um, we, you know, we, we, I have to, part of my job is like going in and seeing like, you know, boys show me your underwear. I need to see like what, what is allowed on stage. What's not allowed on stage. That's <laughs> too covered? sheer. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's too bulbous. You know, I, I have to be aware of like how the boys present themselves on stage when they bring up the women to the stage and, and they do lap dances or any kind of performances, you know, I have to, we have to go through training and I have to teach the boys like how to interact with women <laughs> in an artistic yeah. way, as opposed to getting, uh, you know, crossing that line. It's not a private bachelorette party. You know what I mean? <laughs> we have to be cautious. Um, so it's a very, it's very much fight club rules. You know, we don't, <laughs> we don't talk about it. We don't do anything about it. We've recently uh, been under fire because 
while there are no photos or videos, we've had some really good authors in the audience who describe in full detail how the magic mic show comes. And so wow. they'll write reviews on Tianping and they'll be like, hey, oh, I saw this and this performer did this and I'm rating <laughs> this performer and this performer. And we've had to like step out and be like, ladies, just don't sh- fuck, it, shut up. <laughs> don't say anything. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. yeah, like why? You're not one in this sort of publicity. <laughs> Women are like writing about their sexual awakening. Like good writing, I, but keep I it to know. yourself. It is, it has been so, and it's so funny because like recently we've also been getting, I guess because of those, those writings, we've been getting a lot of, uh, uh, we've been getting a lot of individuals coming to the shows with their spouses, with their boyfriends or their husbands (gasps) or, or their girlfriends for that matter. And we've, you know, I've, I've obviously added that into my, my routine for like communicating with the audience, but some of those men are are on guard. all night long (laughs) are they wanting their boyfriends there to be like hey look at this i want this like dance like that Uh, well it's a very (laughs) or they're looking for like dynamic some of some of the boys i even like bring up to stage uh and make them do their own magic mic dance um and you know they're they're good sports with it um but some of them are very much like protecting (laughs) protecting their spouses protecting their partners as much as possible throughout the entirety of the show it's and my favorite ones are the ones who are like every time a boy walks by they just like grab their partner and start making out with them and I'm just like oh wow, what do you think this God. distraction is doing what do you what do you what do you think you're not there anymore you're invisible now that doesn't work that way <laughs> nobody it's can like, see what, you what a weird technique I mean like even if I was like you know that's you know, I don't know, just a bit on the nose of like insecurity. Yeah. Right? I, I, I'm just like, if I was feeling that way, I don't think I would. I'm just not that way inclined. But like, you know, I'd maybe start a conversation or like, hey, what about that thing the other day? I wouldn't be like, this is a little bit obvious, isn't it? Because the girl would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop kissing me. Unless just... unless they're getting turned on watching it. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're like, ooh, that's sexy. Let's make out. Mm. I mean, I hope so. I I personally believe that that is how that's working because I I I can't imagine like <laughs> I well some uh, one guy actually I think this was one of the funniest shows one one guy brought his his I don't know if it was a first date it was very unclear um brought someone to the magic mic show and I think they thought it was a magic show so that <laughs> has become part of my routine and boy was that an experience that was oh that was i bet they were surprised did anybody see a magic wand uh well (laughs) someone was doing a magic act that night so it worked out really well the we you know i'm the first thing they see when the curtains open so like i'm already jarring enough for the audience and so i get the the roaring applause (laughs) what's happening and I'm I'm there to set the rules and the guidelines. And if I'm there enough to shock the audience, then that way we can keep them at like a certain level as we like progress through the show. Um, so they're completely aware that it's not just like men coming out and doing random things. It's also an artistic performance. And that's how we're selling it. And that's how you, mm. you can read that to social media. That's what you can say. Um, <laughs> you know, we we try really hard. Um, we try really, really hard. But, you know, our show next week is also canceled due to certain regulations that have occurred. Oh. We just started last week. Um, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Oh, it's great. Wow. Yeah, it's you guys great. should come down, definitely. I know, I, I really want come. to. I, I, really... I do like the idea of like couples going there and maybe sparking some, you know, uh, hidden passions. And I like the idea, like maybe five years in the future where, you know, little little Timmy or Kimmy saying, you know, mom, how is it? How is I am born? And, you know, the, you know, the parent going, well, um, your dad took me to a magic mic show in Shanghai and then I got knocked up, you know. It's... And that's why you're called Mike. Yes. <laughs> so, what? And so, you know, I, I mean, I get it. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't go in thinking about magic Mike, thinking, oh, I'm doing something great for the greater good. I'm, <laughs> I'm just thinking. You don't know that. You don't know that you could well be. There's a lot of kids that have, you know, you're helping with the one child policy. <laughs> There's a <laughs> the two You'd be surprised. The high level of, of a favor. you know, 
<laughs> our audience who do, who does come it does range from like those who are really really shy and they're sitting right in the front row and they're just so nervous throughout the entire show you know my my job is to make sure that they loosen up a little in terms of like what you know but they're still comfortable I'm, I'm very big on teaching my boys consent in terms of how they interact with their audience um and and having an audience member start off completely eyes shielded and head <laughs> on the table to at the end of the night literally just like taking down drinks and and, and hoping <laughs> for the best it is it's a wild ride and i'm there to see the evolution of of how people interact with with their own sexuality in 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 the magic mike show it's great yeah. it's great. i love it it's so cool to hear just though how much time and thought and design goes into the shows like you said thinking about the audience the crowd and making sure they're comfortable um and I guess I want to also just ask more about your personal experience with it how has being a drag artist and the hostess at the Pearl Theater how has it impacted your own personal relationships um with dating especially um and meeting people just interacting in a social setting in Shanghai on and off stage um it's been, <laughs> I know you sent me this question before and I, I'm, I'm still a little like, I'm still a little confused on how to answer these questions because it it has been difficult. It's been very difficult. I think that like the, there's an interesting dynamic to see Giovanni walking across the street and then seeing like Coco walking across the street and how pe how the same person can interact with one individual and how they can interact with the other. Um, I think one of the biggest shocks for me when I started um, when I started doing drag was going to queer venues and having people talk to me as if like, <laughs> They knew me for years and like were so excited to see me, but then being just Geo in the same place was always was always a different dynamic. Um, I think that like there's a I I once again I'm I'm using my my own perspective from a, a U.S. standpoint uh, from the perspective of of, of, of an American seeing you know how how similar shanghai is to what i would compare it to is like la uh, los angeles and in that environment that's very like heavily um heavily relies on on connections and growing your own personal network and 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 creating like creativity from a place of business i see how people interact with each other in the city and there's always just like a layer of, well, what do you want from me? Like, right, we're gonna go through formalities and we're gonna have all these discussions. We're gonna have all these questions and connections, but what, what is your end game here? And I hate, yeah, I hate feeling that way. Um, especially, <laughs> like I said earlier, I'm from Boston and we are very direct. Um, I've made, so many people upset and uh, angry just being who I am as an individual uh, because I'm very, I'm very direct. I'm very no nonsensical. I don't sugarcoat anything because there's not enough time to do any of that. Right. If you need something, ask for it. I don't need pleasantries. Uh, if we've known each other for a long time, then that builds uh, another layer of connections. Just ask for things that you need. And in terms of like dating, you know, I, it, it's hard. It's hard, you know, getting swiped on Tinder. And then the first question right out the gate is like, oh, are you that drag queen? Oh, are you Coco Santi? Oh, are you? <laughs> oh, I think I saw you at the Pearl. And I'm just like, okay. Um, <laughs> I thank you. That is, you know, it's, it's a persona, but I think in terms of like dating, it's, it's so much work for me. And I already have enough work on my plate in terms of building a relationship. That's another, that's a whole other job, you know? Um, and I don't even have enough time to go to the gym. You know, I want to, <laughs> I want to do a lot of shit for me. And 
when I think of like building a relationship, especially in a place where I don't think, I don't think, or I don't see myself completely settling down. I just think that that is investing a lot of time in a place where I don't necessarily need to. Um, so, you know, for my work and for the things that I do in my dating life, I, I kind of just heavily rely on a hookup here and there. And that is enough for me. That's enough for me because it was, it was very useful, especially oh, in the last two years, it's, it's been super difficult because, you know, with the pandemic, we've lost a lot of tourism. Um, and that's what I relied on most because there was no emotional connection. You know what I mean? <laughs> there is no way to build a relationship or like oh, yes. have yeah, to like indeed. have to do any kind of like meaningless tasks with like courting. I, you know, we are, we are in it to go. I mean, I I'm describing a lot, but I know you've had a lot of uh, queer folks on your, on your oh, podcast. Yeah. So like, yes. I, I think you, you're very familiar with like a random, you know, blowjob here and there that, you know, that is fine. We just, we, we know our end game. We know what's going down. Um, <laughs> let's, but I'm not saying like, you know, when I'm in the bedroom, there's no, um, there's no passion. I'm still Latino, right? We, we, we have to, <laughs> we have to bring that any place that we can, but I don't, I, I can't, I can't emotionally support someone when I'm also trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to emotionally support myself day to day <laughs> at this time. Um, yeah. especially in my line of work. Cause I'm just always consistently like, I'm always at this point from like what I've experienced, I'm always on edge about, you know, is because this person knows who I am, am I dating this person and this person wants something from me in the end of it? And that sounds like, uh, you know, I've worked with my therapist a lot on that. And I think uh, we've, we've, you know, figured out that it's just the environment that I'm in and the work that I'm in that's layered with that. Shanghai is naturally like this. Um, there's just a lot of people who, you know, put on that, I mean, US perspective, put on that LA smile and like have to do certain things. But I'm then also in the business where you have to also do that again and again. And so it's just, it's just so much work. It's just so much work to kind it of like not yeah, be it yourself. Yeah, sounds exhausting. Yeah. And like you said, it it's sounds like the there's just so many layers with you being an onstage persona and performer and host. And then people see that side and then and then seeing, like you said, there's a different dynamic when they see you offstage. And then also mm -hmm. it's China. I, I think you're so right. I think this is what a lot of people have told us. Like the China environment is very different and it's very interesting how well, people. And, now so after, and even more, yeah, even more no, so. Yeah, so many people leaving yeah it's not the same mm -hmm. anymore um and it just reminded me when you're talking about just like even the the queer community it's like martin said something about that too he was like he's like the gay community is like light years ahead of the straight community with dating like we get straight to the point and if you're honest about what you're looking for and what you want and that's okay mm -hmm. if you're if you're honest you're looking for a hookup great go and, get it and listeners that's a reference to a previous episode i can't remember the number, but that was uh, entitled um, uh, the Confessions of a Confessions of the Beijing Fuckboy. So <laughs> that, was our, that was our that was a real fuck that was our Beijing Fuckboy, yeah, Martin. He wanted to go by this the name yeah. Fuckboy. He's a self-professed yeah. oh. fuckboy, but yeah, he said he's with a heart of gold. But he's done a lot of self-work as well. He's like recognizing um, how he used to have these patterns of behavior. Now he's trying to work on that a lot, but he's still very much self-professes. Take a listen to that episode. It's really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe I'm um, <laughs> that that's a red flag for me in general, but like, <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. I, I agree. Like we are, um, you know, the queer community does have a lot of uh, open-mindedness when it comes to, when it comes to dating in terms of like what, you know, what we need and what we want in our relationships. And it's because, you know, the, the layers of who we are as queer individuals and finding our own identity comes layered with like how we how we wish to how we wish to be perceived and how you know we would like to take that in um from our partner um so i get that i also think that like mm, i think that like uh, speaking from a foreigner's perspective in the community of china um you know we 
uh, it's not I, I also have to recognize that like we are in a place that a, a lot of that a lot I'm trying to say this without like sounding super offensive but like a lot of foreigners do a lot of stupid shit here and so like <laughs> and so they feel like they can get away with a lot of things and so I just see so many people who you know freely do things in this in in this in, in this country that I know they would never do back home where they're from and I don't know where people find that audacity to think that like it's it's acceptable um it's well, acceptable actually, behavior actually to to go back to that um uh, um previous episode um uh, the term that we came up with was uh lbh loser back home um uh, <laughs> that's, uh, uh which uh i think that you know um i think epitomizes it, what you're talking about there you yeah know. yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent i mean i I mean, I have uh, all honesty, all cards on the table. If I did not have sex before I came to China, I would have thought something was wrong with me or broken with me because in the U.S., um, beauty standards are very different. Uh, the dynamics of queer beauty standards are also very different um, in, in, from an American perspective. And then coming here to China and seeing that, like, how the beauty perspective works and then how the queer beauty perspective works, it's... It's a whole other ball game, and I—it's it, actually a ball game that's loosely based on I would consider the like the early two thousands beauty standards of the U.S. Um, so you know you're getting a lot of like slim uh, white or or you know very twinkish looking individuals, and that's the beauty standard, especially here in Shanghai. And that's just not you know that's not what I am. <laughs> I'm a cute fucking sexy ass fat bear, and I. And just living my life to the fullest. And that, that is not always, you know, the norm for people to, you know, see or, or, you know, think that like, oh, this person, this person is full of the, that's another, that's another thing. Or this person, you know, is so full of themselves because they, they look this way and they act this way. And I'm like, well, yeah, because I'm fucking hot. <laughs> And, and that's how I see myself. And I feel like that's how other people should see themselves. But like it, that challenged idea really, really fucks with people and makes them think that like, like why, where do you come off or where do you have the audacity to like have this perspective about yourself? Whereas like, it's just about myself. Whereas I see other people who don't, who look like they belong at a CVS and then they are out here thinking that they're top 10 shit. And I'm just like, girl, you, but you're out here judging other people as opposed to like reflecting about who you are as an individual, because other people have seen you and think like, Oh, this must be like a beauty standard. It's not a beauty standard. You are, you are just there and you should be grateful that you're just there. <laughs> Yeah, again, I'm grateful that the, I'm just there. One of the wonderful <laughs> and weird um, uh, experiences or, you know, things that exist in China. Yes, it is a very interesting landscape here with the people that you meet and encounter here. Um, I guess before we go, I'm so sad this this has just flown by. Can you tell us a little bit like what um, what do you feel for like the future of the drag scene in Shanghai? What are you hopeful for with the coming months, I guess, and like also the performing scene in China? Uh, well, the drag scene in Shanghai and in China has grown exponentially. Now there, uh, in terms of local queens, there's more than like 70 local queens from Guangzhou all the way up to Beijing. Um, and they, they are phenomenal. They're beautiful uh, uh, individuals. And I wanna see more growth, but I also wanna see more I want to see more drag artists that don't fit like the the standard binary of female illusionary art. You know, I I want to see more. I want to see more <laughs> um, of the art that you know can be. I want to see people uh, expand their horizons from like just being like beautiful to being, you know, thinking about their performance and thinking about who they are as a drag performer um and if they're not a performer and they just want to be a beauty artist that's okay too 
Um, but but I need more people for my stage. <laughs> well, well, uh, well, as as being a um, uh, you know a bearded queen, what's uh, you can see my beard now. What do you what do you think? How does my beard rate? You know, have I got potential? Well, I fill in my beard, so we can fill in some of that as well. It oh, looks great. Okay. I love a I love a beard. Give me a beard any damn day. I don't care whose beard it is. I will nom 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 on that beard. Uh, and if you, I now we've had we have like a couple of uh, bearded drag performers, and I'm really so grateful and so happy that they started to sprout up because I wanted to see more of that. I wanted to see more of the 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 dynamic between like you know the gender binary and how we play with drag. It can be more than just um you know hyper masculine and hyper feminine i want to see like what falls in the center because so many things fall in the center even i fall in the center sometimes <laughs> depending on my 100%. mood <laughs> well thank you for joining us yeah. today for this episode it's been great talking thank you for having me yeah, i'm so sorry so that excited. i probably spoke like crazy a lot no but- i we're so happy thank you for sharing your experiences and just about all the performance scenes and things in Shanghai and and just tell people where can they find you and follow you on Instagram and see your shows in Shanghai where you can find me if you're in Shanghai you can find me at the Pearl Theater I also do other events around uh, Shanghai so uh, just keep you can follow me and and see where I'm available you can follow me on Instagram at fresh coco santi um, that's f-r-e-s-h and then coco santi um <laughs> learn how to spell it and uh i love how yeah. you spelled out you spelled out fresh but not cocosanti because some people work it out some people, people spell fresh with an a and i'm so confused oh, by no. that why are you spelling fresh with an no. a that's not how that works my dearest friends but cocosanti is just is phonetic you'll you'll figure it out um, i'll be the first thing that pops up if you're in china and uh i've also started a podcast with my friend cam where we examine disney movies from the perspective of adulthood uh we have no qualifications but we have experience in trying to figure that out um from a brown (laughs) queer perspective uh it's called your bare necessities that's u-r-b-e-a-r necessities um and you can check that out on wherever you get your podcasts It'd be great. It'll be wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Give it a listen. Yay! Excellent. It's really good. I think sometimes we talk about Disney movies, and that sounds wow. that sounds bad. That sounds bad. But I'm not. No, I'm not we, like we those Disney adults. Well, yes. No, it's totally. It's great. Yeah, you guys yeah. check it out. Go follow and listen to the podcast. And thank yeah. you so much for joining us today, Dion. Oh my God, thank you, Rachel. Thank you. I'm so excited. And when you guys come down to see a Magic Mike show, I'm going to sit you yes. right in the oh front God. row. Yes, I, I want to see it. Let's, next time we go to Shanghai, I'm going to let yeah. you know. Send yeah. us your you schedule. Know. Drop me a message every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. I know that sounds bad, but Tuesdays are safe day, you know? Okay. <laughs> people Tuesdays always come on a Tuesday. Safe day. Okay. People always okay. come on a Tuesday. Thank All right, you. y'all. Thank Bye. you so much for having Bye. me. Bye. <laughs>